Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Those who are just so in, encompassed of their flesh, they're just going to stick their face in the water and just, you know, be like a camel. And then the others who are really the warriors, the people you really want to be, they're going to be watchful. They're going to be thinking about the enemy. They're not just going to be delighting in their flesh. They're going to get down, they're going to be watchful, and they're going to bring up the water to themselves. A big difference. Can you see it? So God says those are the ones that, that are going to do this, Gideon. And there's only going to be 300 of them. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio for today. Do you, as God's children, sense His presence in the midst of your battles in life? In our lesson for today, Pastor Rob brings us to an example of God's instruction in Judges chapter 7 about Gideon and how God handpicked the 300 warriors that were victorious over the Midianites. God's direct involvement in this battle ensured the safety and protection of his people as long as Gideon was obedient. God's explanation in today's scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 20 is a foretelling of this instruction. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. I certainly know that the fear of man, fearing a man is a snare, but also the fear of man. When a man is in fear, that is a snare. The fear of man is a snare. It can go either way, but either way, it is a bad thing. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That rod that you're going to use, a, a shepherd would use to beat off the wolves, and beat off the bears, and hit the snakes with. And also that staff, as that lamb or that sheep would get too close to a precipice over a, over a, a cliff, that, that, that shepherd would just, instead of going up there and risking his own life, he could take that 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 crook of that thing and just reach in and grab it right around the the neck here and just gently pull that lamb back, keeping it from falling over the side and perishing. But David knew a thing about fear. In Psalm 27, it says this, David said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? There's the question. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If God is on your side, who do you have to fear? Is there really anything greater than God? We know the answer is no, but yet in daily practice, we find ourselves shrinking back from things that we ought not to be fearful of. And that really challenges me. Does it challenge you? There are certain things that I just, I find myself quaking in my boots, and then I have to stop myself and think, wait a minute, okay, let's, let's, got to think logically. 
God, you know this is happening to me. You know why it's happening. You may even have allowed it or you're either allowing it or purposely putting me in this situation for my own good. So, Lord, I submit to it, whatever it is. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good in my flesh, but, Lord, I submit to it. And you know what? The battle's over at that point. The battle's won, in a sense. And then you can just walk and let him do what he's going to do. Because the truth of the matter is, is that our lives are not finished until we take our last breath. The thing is, is we don't always know when that is. Therein lies the rub. However, you can have a great boldness and a great confidence in the Lord. And you know what? He will stand up for you if you stand up for him. He will stand up for you when you step in the face of fear and you're bold, and you're loving. You're not cocky, you're not arrogant or conceited. There's nothing worse than an arrogant Christian. But somebody who is, you can be fearful, and yet you can be bold. Your knees can be knocking, but the words and the, and the, and the things coming out of your mouth can be power and life to those around you. You know, I've heard of stories of, um, I wouldn't recommend this, but, you know, just as an, an analogy, I've heard of people being attacked by, you know, like a bear out in the forest. You know, they're out in somewhere in Yosemite National Park, and the hiker is hiking, and a bear is coming at him, and the guy will just, he's got, I got nothing to lose, so he'll just start screaming at the bear. He'll just start screaming at the bear and just stand there and just hold his ground and just start screaming, and the bear runs because he can't stand the noise. And if you think about that, what is, what is the devil? He's like that roaring lion who comes, and God says, just stand your ground. Just stand your ground. And, and I love that. I, I hope I don't have to try that out for real. Maybe we will, Scotty. Maybe up at Moffat State Park this year, we'll, we'll find out if Rob practices what he preaches. <laughs> Let's hope not. Pray for that event, that it doesn't happen. I'd much rather put a, put a saddle on that beast and put some bit in its mouth and ride it, you know. Anyway, or maybe not. In Second Timothy, though, Paul says to Timothy, he says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of a love and of a sound mind. That's what God gives to us. So we don't need to fear anything. Challenge yourself about fear this week. I think that's one good thing to, to consider as we read this, as they are about to go into the land and they're fearful. And God gives them a, a, a choice, even in in. In light of that, you can go home. If you're fearful and you're just like losing your mind and you've got a wife you haven't you know, married yet and you've got you know, lands, just, just go home. There's the freedom. Turn with me to Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 7. We're going to see this very same thing. Remember, this event that we're going to read about now is several couple hundred years after the event that we just read in, in Joshua. Judges chapter 7, it's a one we know very well. And it's Jerubbabel, or Gideon. We know about Gideon. It says, Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him, rose early and encamped beside the wall of Herod. And when we go to Israel, we actually go to this well called Herod. It's H-A-R-O-D. And, and there's a well there in the uh, Jordan Valley. And we visit it every year, uh, or when we go, we visit it. And remember, this is during a time when the children of Israel, because they didn't obey the Lord, now they were in a situation 
where because of their disobedience and not taking all of the land, when they, when they, in Joshua, when they, when they went into the land, they, they conquered some of it, but they, they allowed some of the inhabitants to kind of dwell with them. They didn't finish the job. And instead of just killing them, which is what God told them to do, right? He told them to wipe out everything and everybody. Instead of doing that, they decided something better. They had a better thought. Well, why don't we just do some of them, you know, and then put the rest of them, make them work for us. They'll be like our slaves. You know, they'll do our work for us. And so that's what they did. But the problem with that is as they began to allow that kind of thing, we know what happens next. Pretty soon there's intermingling between the two of them, those people groups. And next thing you know, they're introducing idolatry, the gods that they've worshipped in the past. Now they're going to be teaching the children of Israel to do those very same things. We'll be looking at that in a little bit later. But here they are. You know, and then God raises up a deliverer, and one of them was Gideon. But notice what it says. It says, So the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moray in the valley. Verse 2, it says, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. And sometimes the Lord has to do what we call a blessed subtraction so that he could receive the glory. Because whenever there's a great number of people doing something and they accomplish it, boy, the chest goes out, and all of a sudden, you know, the... You know, the, the voice changes. Yes, I did that. Yes, those men cut their heads off with one strike. Right? <laughs> and then we take pride in it ourselves. We get all puffed up. God is saying, there's too many of you, Gideon. Now, therefore, verse 3, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful. Notice what we just read in Deuteronomy applies here. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And notice, and 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. So two-thirds of his army is gone. Think of how exciting that was for Gideon. As he's looking out and he can see the, the enemy and they're, they're like a huge number, like grasshoppers, covering the, the land. And God says, whoever's fearful and uh, afraid, just, just go home. Two-thirds of the people leave. 22,000 people just get on their camels and take off. It's like, what? I've got 10,000 left, Lord. <laughs> I'm not going to make it. And it gets worse. But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many, verse 4. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them there for you. And that, then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So God is going to describe to him the criteria in just a moment. Verse 5, so he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set him apart by yourself. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you do this? You know, I really want to know. I mean, to raise a hand. And so don't be afraid to raise your hand. We're not going to harm you. We'll just look at you funny. I mean, you just stick your face in the water, just, you know, lap it up like a dog. I mean, do any of us really do that? I don't know. I, I find that really weird. But it's okay. If you do that, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. But notice the criteria that, that God gives to them. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink, and the number of those who lap, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300. So what, what it was like this is there were a great number of people just sticking their face down in the water like a dog and, and drinking the water. And other people would do this. 
They're bringing the water to them because they're watchful. And I wonder if the Lord was just saying, those who are just so encompassed of their flesh, they're just going to stick their face in the water and just, you know, be like a camel. And then the others who are really the warriors, the people you really want to be, they're going to be watchful. They're going to be thinking about the enemy. They're not just going to be delighting in their flesh. They're going to get down. They're going to be watchful. And they're going to bring up the water to themselves. Big difference. Can you see it? So God says those are the ones that, that are going to do this, Gideon. And there's only going to be 300 of them. So by 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver you, verse 7, the Midianites, into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. And now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. And it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise and go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But notice, but if you are afraid to go down, God doesn't mince words. Why did he mention this? Because he knew that Gideon was afraid. He says, but if you're afraid, Gideon, it's okay. I know you. He knows our frame. He knows we are dust, right? We don't have to act. We don't have to walk around in, in crisis with some kind of false bravado. We can be ourselves. We don't have to fear, though, but we don't have to walk around with some kind of false air about us. To me, a genuine Christian is just a genuine Christian. They can just be themselves. You don't have to change your voice. You don't have to stick your chest out. You don't have to carry a gun. But he says, But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hands will be strengthened to go down against the camp. And so then he went down with Pua, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. And it says in verse 12, Now the Midianites and Amalekites, all the people of the east, were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts. So picture it in your mind. Let your imagination go. And their camels were without number, as the sand of the seashore in multitude. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. And he said, I have had a dream. So they're spying on, this, on, this, on these men, right? They're kind of just sneaking in behind the tent, and they're just listening. And, he says, to my, and then he says, I have a dream. I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled under the camp of Midian, and it came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned, and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. I love this. You have a, a person who had a dream, and you have an interpreter of dreams. Uh, it's almost like having uh, uh, Joseph there interpreting dreams. And this was the enemy. <laughs> the Lord gives a word of knowledge or you know, to be able to interpret a dream that somebody had for his own benefit of his own people. And so it was, verse 15, when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, that he worshipped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. And then he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet into each man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. Now, if you think of it, think of this. I almost wonder if this was, this was what they call psychological warfare, I believe. This is one of those things that God does, and he does it throughout the Scripture. He did it with David. as When we get into First and Second Samuel, God did this with David too. Just really unorthodox sort of things that just catch the enemy by surprise. I mean, at night, they're at night, and, and maybe in, in, a, in a host of men, maybe they would have one torch, and, you know, but now there's uh, three, a, hundred of, uh, uh, th- uh, a hundred of group of threes, 
And they all have a picture, perhaps. I, I don't know exactly if, if, if this is how they did it, but when you have the torch inside the lamp, nobody can see it, can they? Because the light is shining up. If you were to hold that thing like this and everybody could see the glowing of the, of, the, of the thing, but nobody sees anything. All they see is blackness. They see dark because it's dark outside. So they got the picture with the torch inside of it, and they got their trumpet in their right hand. And there they are. And then at the right moment, they smash that jar, and then they grab the torch and they hold it up, and then they're blowing a trumpet. Can you imagine the fear that that would set into the minds of... Because all of a sudden, suddenly, you're upon them. Suddenly, you're all there. And they're freaking out. So much so that they're turning their swords on each other. So he says, And when I blow the trumpet, verse 18, I and all who are with me, then ye shall blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Nice that he put the Lord first. That's a good sign. It had been different. The sword of Gideon and the Lord. No, he said, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they posted the watch. Notice, just as they were changing the watch, what better time to create confusion than right at the, at the moment they're changing the guard, when everything is kind of in flex anyway, and all of a sudden you add this to the equation? Oh, my. That's called psychological warfare. That's what a good army general thinks of when he attacks and he knows that his enemy is coming from the, uh, from the west. He'll actually engage them right as the sun is coming up. Why? Because as they're coming from the west and the army is coming from the east, the sun's going to come up on the east. It's going to blind these guys. They can't see anything. And now they're just sitting ducks. They can't see anything. And that's the way sometimes things the Lord does, and it's really amazing. And we know the rest of what happened there. They, they break the pictures, and, and the, the, the torch comes out, the trumpets are blown, and the enemy is scared to death. They start running and killing each other. Let's go back to Deuteronomy now. Chapter 20, verse 9, it says, And, it, it sh- and so it shall be when the officers, when they finish speaking to the people as they're about ready to go in, to into battle, that they shall make captains of the armies to lead the people. And when you go near to a city to fight against it, then proclaim and offer a peace to it. Now look at the grace of this. You know, is God just a God of war? He doesn't care about people? Now there is a group of people, we looked at that, and we're going to see that in the, in, when we get down to verse 16. The people that are mentioned down in verse 16 had it coming. For hundreds of years they didn't repent, but not so these other groups of people. When they engaged them in war afar uh, off, This is how they're supposed to do it. They're supposed to send conditions of peace. You surrender to us, and everything will be fine. If you don't, if you resist it, then we're going to come after you, right? And notice that God's of God's grace in that, too. They're not just going to go in and just plunder the city and kill everybody. That was reserved for a specific nations. Those seven nations that we're going to read about in just a few minutes, it was specifically for them. But for any others, God says, this is what I want you to do. If they accept your offer of peace and open to you, then all the people who are found in it shall be placed under tribute to you, and they shall serve you. And they would treat them well. They wouldn't treat them like, you know, what we think of slavery. They they would treat them nice. I mean, they would still, their lives are spared, and they're going to help gather water for them in the morning and stuff like that, and they'll feed them. They'll protect them. They'll give them a place to stay. 
Sometimes it's better than most people have. Now, if the city will not make peace with you, but war against you, then you shall besiege it. Notice verse 13. And when the Lord your God delivers it into your hands, you shall strike every male in it with the edge of the sword. Now, think of all these men, all these women, all these children who are going to lose their dads. The, the, the wives are going to lose their husbands now because of their, diso, because of their rebellion against what, you know, if they're, if they're going against them. And now it's going to get ugly. And when you're, I'm sorry, but the women, notice, verse 14, the little ones, the livestock, and all that is in the city, all that spoil, you shall plunder for yourself, and you shall eat the enemy's plunder which the Lord your God gives you. Notice, he doesn't say kill everybody. He's going to do that for certain, again, certain nations. But these people, when they, when they engage them in war, they're not going to harm the women. They're not going to harm the children. They won't even harm the men if they'll just surrender peacefully. Does that sound like the Lord? It does. I mean, that, that's how, he, how much he values life. We live in a culture that doesn't value life so much. You know, our own governor in this state has, is passing laws that it's okay to kill children. He doesn't understand that it's murder. It is murder. God says that life begins at conception. And this man says that, you know, even after a baby's born, they can kill the, the, the infant. I mean, are you, are you kidding me? What glue is this man sniffing? He ought to be ashamed of himself. I pray that that man comes to Christ. I really do. Because let me tell you, if he does not, he is going to face a world of trouble. He would wish he had never been born. He would wish he would never have been born when he stands before a holy God and God looks at him with fire in his eyes. And this guy, I pray to God that he'll never see it. I pray that he'll return from his sin and repent and come to Christ. That is his only hope at this point. But God is gracious. Verse 15, Thus you shall do to all the cities which are very far from you. Notice, underline that phrase, very far from you. Not the, not the nations that they're coming to dispossess, the inheritance that they're giving. No, he's not talking about those people. Not talking about those cities. But the cities that are far from you, which are not of the cities of these nations. What nations are you, you might wonder? Verse 16, but of the cities, of these peoples, which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, notice the big difference, you shall let nothing that breathes remain alive. Now the rules of engagement are quite different. Because of their sin, because of the hundreds of years they've been given to repent and did not, God says, these people... Verse 17, but you shall utterly destroy them, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, just as the Lord your God has commanded you, lest they teach you to do according to all their abominations which you have done for their gods, and you sin against the Lord your God. You know, back in Deuteronomy chapter 7, uh, God had given that command. Uh, let's just go there really quick. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Uh, let me just read it to you, okay, for the sake of time. It says, when the Lord, and, and again, this is going back to the beginning of, of Deuteronomy. We're now in chapter 20, but back in chapter 7, the Lord said to them, when the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess, and, his, and he cast out many nations before you, and here he lists them again, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son or take their daughter for your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve who? Other gods. 
so the anger of the Lord will be roused. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.